First of all, it starts with the client, it starts with the customer. And I'm looking at the seller as a client, as a customer, because they have a problem that is needing to be solved. So I'm the doctor, they're the patient. All right, guys, welcome to the Millionaire Enlisted Podcast. Today we have Jonathan Rexford. Uh, he is an, a, an expert in real estate investing. He's been investing for the past 33 years. Uh, his specialty is uh, buying, building, selling, and fin financing houses uh, subject to uh, and owner finance. Uh, we're going to get right into it and pick uh, Jonathan Rexford's uh, brain. Uh, Jonathan, tell us, um, so how did you get started? Obviously, you've been doing this for a while. Well, I kind of tell people this is my third life in real estate. Uh, I've grown up in an industry. I've never really had a job. Uh, right out of high school, I started buying houses. Uh, mom and dad owned their brokerage firm. My dad was a builder. My mother owned her uh, real estate brokerage firm. So real estate was always around my life. Uh, I remember as a kid stacking MLS books. We didn't have uh, MLS like we have today, but we had to go deliver those MLS books to our associates that were working for us. And I remember just scouring through the book, you know, looking for deals and stuff of that nature, looking for the comments and highlighting them and giving them off to mom and dad uh, so they can uh, go out and try to find something that they could buy, build, uh, either it was vacant land or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I've always been around real estate. Uh, you know, I tried to break away from the business for a while, started my own thing, uh, did a lot of other businesses, and, but it was always my route. My route was always real estate, buy, hold, buy and flip, buy, rehab, flip, that kind of stuff. And uh, also I've done a lot of residential commercial development over the years. So uh, like I said, I, I kind of, it seems like every 10 years I've get my reset and uh, doing something else different. So uh, it's, it's, you know what, it's very interesting. We, it, that's what I can say. Real estate is an interesting game. Yeah, no, I hear you. So let me, let me ask you this as far as, because uh, I, I know I found you, uh, I found you a few years back, actually, before we, we were active in mm -hmm. real estate. Um, and one of the things that we were, I was trying at the time was wholesaling, but then I found you in, in your group. I think it was the 20K Club and then the Subject 2 Facebook group, which I think has, I don't know, tell me how many members are in there now? We have 19,000 people that are in the Facebook group. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and that is just, and that's just accumulation of the community. I mean, we all, you know, back in the day, in the beginning days of the internet, we had these message boards that we go to and that's how we would meet. So it's a, it's a community involvement. You know, it's, it's kind of like this. It's uh, you can go to, you know, everybody loves to go networking, but they go, wh what do they go networking? They go networking at the real estate investor meeting. Well, that's the worst place to network, but we go to the real estate investor meeting because, you know, normal people can't, don't, you know, they don't, they, they like us, but normal people don't get it. You know, so we all hang out with each other so we can like support one another. So it's kind of like it's real estate is the AA as it is for alcoholics, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's the way I kind of look at it. So, you know, we all hang out and uh, I have the 20K club, which is a paid, which is a real low cost paid membership that I use for my joint ventures and stuff, but uh, it's a great game. It's, no, I hear you. And, and uh, I think that's absolutely true because uh, a lot of times you find yourself, you want to talk about real estate and it's an outlet for most of us. Uh, some people don't get it. They want you to shut up about it. So they, you got to find like-minded people in order to keep your momentum going. Yeah. Cause then they're like, man, you're, you're too much. Get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so let's talk a little bit more about subject to, 
Yeah. Uh, I find it fascinating, um, you know, and, and, and then I want to ask you about a video you did, which I thought was amazing, the numbers, but subject to as far as, uh, you know, how, how, do you, how do you go about starting a subject to deal? How, how do you work your transactions? How do you make it happen? Well, first of all, it starts with the client, starts with the customer. And I'm looking at the seller as a client, as a customer, because they have a problem that is needing to be solved. So I'm the doctor, they're the patient. So I'm going to go in there and analyze what the situation is. You know, because if you're, if you're the person that is wanting to sell, you don't need me. Just go to the retail market and let the retail market take care of itself. Pre-COVID, let's, let's talk about that. As we're recording this, we're going to talk about the pre-COVID event. You know, even the want to sell may be, my, may be my client here real soon. But usually somebody has a pain point in their life that need to find out if they need to sell. Now, whenever I'm analyzing it, I'm looking at the numbers. My motto is always this. What can a property afford to pay as an investment? You know, can I rent it? Can I lease option it? Or can I own or finance it? Or can I retail it? And I'm trying to find out which funnel to put the, put that house in. Sometimes I get to dump them in all four funnels, which is, which is a good, good recipe for a decent deal. But if I have one funnel, I'm not going to be as interested as I am with three because it really kind of depends on where I'm at in my scale with my business. Uh, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I like landlording, but I'd rather have the landlording step up to owner financing. So all my tenants, the moment they come in, they come in with the intention to buy the property with me being the bank. So I would rather collect the payments instead of collecting the toilets, <laughs> uh, so to speak, on a property. And uh, I'm not against landlording at all. You know, if in another life I did that, I just, at 52 right now, this is my, like I told you, it's my third life. I'm going yeah. through that whole process right now, uh, retooling with, with what we have and turning our tenants into owners and uh, just seeing that kind of gratification. But really to kind of come in there, I'm going in there with my stethoscope, analyzing where they're at in the process and how can I help them. And that is the beginning stages. And then we facilitate that and move it through the closing process. So with subject to you're taking over the note, right? Um, how, how, how do you convince someone, hey, I'm going to take over this note uh, with your name on it, and I'm going to make the payments, and you're going to be okay? Okay. Uh, For, where, where do you go from there? Okay. First and foremost, we do not convince them, okay? okay? If you have to convince a seller, you're going in about it the wrong way. The whole idea is you need to let them convince you to take it over. So what we do is we walk them through the process. I have a process called the cost of sale analysis. We're going in there with the idea of what the value is and we match the pain point versus the value that we're doing. Usually the reason that they would want to go ahead and sell us a property subject to the existing financing is it, it solves a problem of speed or it solves a problem of some type of pain point to get them from point A to point B. So whenever I'm walking them through the cost of sale analysis, analyzing what is it, what it is going to cost them to sell their property, we get to that little thing there. It's either, oh, wow, it's going to cost me this much to sell my house, or I'm only going to get this amount if I sell it through the normal channels. Now, as we're moving into this market right now, that X factor has changed. You know, the cheese has moved yeah. so many blocks now, and we don't know how long that's going to be. So, Whenever I get to that point, I will ask them, I said, let me ask you this. Did you think it was going to cost this much to sell your house? 
And if they said no, and I, and I just said, well, if I, were to, if I was to make your mortgage payments until I get the property sold, would that work for you? And then it's like, yes. I said, well, now we just need to find out how that we can make this happen. So again, they make the decision. I don't convince them. They make the decision to see that this is in their best interest because if they got a plan, if they have a, if they're working on plan A, I want to be their plan B or plan C. I don't want to get into that whole world because I'm, I'm already there building that relationship with them that, you know, this is going to kind of sound crazy, but I'm not there to buy their house. I'm there to solve their problem and their house is just a commodity. I hear you. No, and that's a great way to look at it. Uh, great mentality. Uh, because like you said, you know, you, you're there to provide a service to help not to, uh, and that, that's personally what I didn't like about wholesaling because it became very grindy um, and kind of cutthroat. Uh, I had deals taken away from me and I was trying to help, you know, the owner and I'm like, okay, well, I guess you can't in this world, you can't do that. But I, I like your, your style. Jeremy, I think you had a question. Yes, Jonathan. Um, so I have a question for our audience. What type of um, uh, property would fit the criteria for subject to? Well, for, in my world, and again, sub, no, let's kind of back up a little bit. A subject to can work for any type of property, commercial, residential, multifamily, uh, mobile homes, that kind of stuff. So all it is subject to is just a financing technique to be able to acquire that. Now, in my world, it is residential, residential up to, uh, up to about four units. So, because it's going to have that residential component of financing. So I'm looking for a property in my world right now. I w because of the, because the way I, I want to live, I want properties that are no more than about eight years old. They have a decent interest rate, somewhere, somewhere less than 7%, which that's pretty much all the financing on the planet right now. And where the seller is really wanting out for some situation, you know, they can have a lot of equity. I can still work with that. If they're willing to leave their loan in place, we just work out the financing on the other side. But that's, the, that's going to be the prime component of it. You know, an eight-year property, because the systems are still good. I've got a little bit of equity going in, and I don't need to put a lot of, I don't have to do the buy-in to get into a property, you know, to do the paint, carpet, fix up, all the stuff that we know that as soon as your first tenant moves out, that you got to go in and redo in, in the first place. So that's, yeah. what, that's the type of property that I like. Nice. As far as, uh, so you, you focus on residential. Um, for us specifically, we, we're moving out of that area and we're going into multi, a large multifamily apartment buildings. How, mm -hmm. have, you, have you done any subject to at that scale or seen anyone? I, I haven't heard anyone do it at that level. Maybe I, I'm just not aware, but have you seen it being done? Yes, I have seen it done. Uh, my, personally, I have not, but I do have some... Uh, consulting clients that are inside our little group there uh, that have done that. They've done master leases on uh, 20, 30 unit apartment buildings and where they've just gone in there and done maybe an equity share with the, uh, with, with the owners and so forth. And it's usually going to primarily work with somebody that's kind of in the ending phase of their life. You know, they could be looking at their estate and say, you know what, if I sold the day, I'm going to get killed. So they may structure some type of, seller financing, or maybe they have some, a loan on their property where they can refinance it and someone can take over that, over that payment, you know, do the cash out, take it subject to, and then yeah. obviously they're going to have a stepped up basis, but at least they'll have some type of situation there. 
And, and that's a great point. So for the seller, that's an incentive, right? As far as taxes and being able to, they have already done their depreciation over the years. They're at the end of their life cycle for mm -hmm. that property. Uh, it's, a, it's a good exit strategy for a seller, correct? Absolutely. I mean, the buying subject to does not change your tax strategy. It's just the ability to not necessarily to garner all the expenses because a refinance on a property is so much cheaper than it is going to get a, get a new loan. So if you're able to take something that's free and clear, finance it at 70% uh, loan to value, they get their cash out. That doesn't change their basis in a property, but they, they can now, you can take that subject to and then take their equity over time, which gotcha. that can, they can choose how to pay their taxes based on the gains that they have received. That's awesome. Jeremy, what you got? You look like you got something. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I, I was listening. I was just trying to, to see, but, uh, but if you want to continue with the, I don't want to want to take the flow out of the, uh, out of the, uh, so, uh, out of the conversation. Uh, but later on, if you can explain to us how you market to find these, uh, these properties, go ahead. Oscar. Well, well, go ahead. Let, let's, let's go into that. That's a great question. How do you market it, Jonathan? Oh, to find, to find subject to. All mm -hmm. right. Again, I have to specify this with, uh, I have this thing called the geographic to demographics. So geographic area is I'm going to work inside my area. I'm not this virtual guy. If you want to get down into that side, we can go down to that rabbit hole, but I'm not the virtual real estate investor. Every property that we purchase, these eyes see, you know, I have to see it, have to taste it, that kind of thing. So the way that the majority of the deals that we're, that we're getting right now are strictly referrals. So they are connections. There are people that I know in my marketplace. But with that being said, we're now going into another market phase. See, we have been in a seller's market for the last 10 years. We've been into this real hot market where it's just been going up, 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 up. Uh, any person can sit there, put a house on a market and sell it. So now we have to flip the switch. So with our geographic to demographic marketing, I'm going to, I'm going to, pick an area and I do like a 30 mile radius where I work at and I have certain zip codes that I like. So I do what's, I, I do, I do the plus 20 minus 20. So I'll take the median price range and I will go 20% high and I'll go 20% below. That's my sweet spot. So I will only market to those properties. So I'm looking for demographics based on those, but based on those areas. So whenever so if I have a certain area inside of a geographic area, my demographics are going to be that price point. Then what I'm going to do is when we're in the selling phase, the seller market phase, I was doing 20% equity and less with direct mail. So I would go to your, your list source, your prop streams, your REI pros that are out there, your, your data sources, and just pull those lists, providing that they were what, 2008 and up, I would get those lists and then I would contact them through direct mail. I'm not the techie guy that does the voicemail, the, all the stuff that people are getting their hands slapped on right now. I still am the yellow pad, lick the stamp, get it out there. And through those conversations, seven, eight, nine times of contacting, they will either tell us to go find the nearest bridge or say, hey, please come in and talk to us. Uh, because here's what we know. The average person will move about every five years. So if the average person is moving every five years, something's happening in their life. If it's in that median price range, they're either a first time home buyer, could be a couple just getting married, whatever. Well, when people get married, what do they usually have? Families start growing. They're also getting a new job. 
They're getting a raise. They want to keep up with the Joneses and they want to step up. Now, another area that I like is I love driving for dollars inside my geographic area. So when I'm driving for dollars, just like when you guys were in the wholesale business, you were looking for what? The blue tarps, the missing mailboxes, the high weeds and so forth. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking for that too, but I'm also looking for what I call the stuff. I'm driving down the road and I'll see a nice subdivision, but if I see a $50,000 Ranger bass boat and I see a couple ATVs outside or a couple side-by-sides and a big old Gulfstream RV, you know what that says to me? I am deep in debt and I need help. So if it's a neighborhood that I like, I just take my phone, take a picture of the house and send them a, a greeting card, send, you know, through, through like send out cards or something. Again, finding out if they're interested in selling. That's all it is. Get them on a phone and then we can have a conversation with them. But those are, those are my three primary ways of, uh, of marketing right now. That's awesome. How are you, how are you seeing the, obviously we, with COVID happening, how are you seeing the, the market shift? What's your uh, response uh, rate right now? That's really, that's a little bit too early to tell right now because I've, I'm not a big, I was about to jump in real quick with a certain demographic. And what I'm doing is uh, the 20% less, I'm actually going to flip the switch 20% above. So now I'm going that you must have a minimum of 20% equity to free and clear. Because now these people have the problems. Certainly 20% equity and less, they still have problems, but now these over here. So it's going to be, it's going to have a bigger pool. Because if we are going to go into a market slide, it's kind of like the stuff that's on MLS, we start seeing price drops. You know, which knife are you trying to catch? You know, are you chasing the market? So those type of sellers that are coming to the marketplace that may need to sell now, or they may, in, they may be in a position that want to sell, they will need to be made to sell. I want to be on the other side of that equity to capture it instead of the ones that have 20% less equity whenever they're starting to lose it. So that's what I'm doing. So looking at the past two markets that have been in where we've, where we've moved from a seller's market to a buyer's market, there is a little lag time. And that lag time is where sellers still think, oh, the market's still good. The market's still good. And they kind of get into this cool off period until we hit that lull. When I was, when I was looking back at the previous data in my mind, that took about six months to hit. Now, the first time it hit, I'm going back to, uh, I'm going back to 1995, you know, it took a while for that to really to come out, even though that seems like the market was what the, the, the mentality, it took us a little bit while to get out of it. So are we going to be a V bounce right back up? I don't know. We'll see what happens whenever our country opens back up and see what the mentality with people would be. We still got 26 million people that file unemployment. It's, it's going to be horrendous. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think you're spot on on that. And obviously, you, you've been through a couple of these market changes. So your word, uh, your word means a lot to us and our listeners. Oscar, I don't have a crystal ball. I no don't. one does. No one you does, know, yeah. And, and that's all I know is whenever I'm talking to sellers, I ask them the question, what do you think is going to happen to the market? And, you know, and I don't want to, you know, it's going to be a major crap storm, they're telling me, or it's going, oh, market's going to be okay. So I'm getting their feedback because that's who our clients are going to be. Gotcha. 
Man, that, yeah, it's uh, interesting times that we have coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, so moving on to uh, owner financing. So I saw an amazing video you did of how to create equity from owner financing. Uh, and you, you, you wrote down the numbers and it was, uh, you know, you raised up the, the selling price on owner financing from what they owe. And, you know, you also showed how much equity you were going to gain from and cash flow as well. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to us a little bit if you can. I know we don't have the video on here, but talk to us a little bit about your strategy there and how people can actually make, you know, increase the, the equity and the money that you gain from an owner finance deal. Well, in a seller's market, Oscar, we, we can push the value of a property up about 5 to 10% in a seller's market. Uh, as we're switching into a buyer's market, that's not going to happen. Because even, because it's really, we have to get down to the affordability of a property. You know, I mean, they're going to really take a look at, yeah, I can still rent that property a lot less than what I can buy it for. And that is going to be our biggest change. So that's why whenever I mention that I'm going to be on this side of the equity, I can capture some of that going into this. So, you know, with, with doing that, the longer you hold the property, obviously you're going to, you're going to go ahead and get the amortization and pay it down over time. So with going in there, you can test the market. You can test the market going in by bumping it up by 5%. Now, what I like about building in little cash flows into it, if I'm able to take a property, let's just say we take a property that's $200,000 and I'm able to bump it, say, to 210, which is only 5%, I can go ahead and collect that 10% down from somebody as, a, as an owner finance buyer. So that's going to put a little bit of upfront money today, probably average what somebody would make on a wholesale fee. Well, in the meantime, I'm looking at, okay, what do I want per door? You know, you guys that are in the apartment business, that's what you look at, uh, how much I want per door based on your ROI. So since I'm coming into this with none of my money, my ROI is um, almost infinite coming in. So when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, if I want 300 per door, I'm looking at my existing PI on this property, PITI, and I'm going to go ahead and put about 300 to that. What does that look compared to the existing rates in the marketplace? Am I exceeding rent? See, I'm okay to exceed rent by about 10, 15% because I'm going to be working with that owner finance buyer, changing their W9 so they can raise their take home pay to compensate that because they're going to be able to do what? Right off the interest and so mm -hmm. forth. Plus we hit that emotional, you know, they have an, they have an emotional involvement to that property because it's theirs. So that's how I'm able to do that. And if you're able to take a low to no equity property, as I did with that video, you know, you can easily make 60, 80, 90, hundred thousand. Now it's all on paper. Again, situations change, people move out, you have collection issues, you know, that's all property management stuff, but you can certainly uh, make those numbers work. I hear you. As far as, uh, uh, have you, have you done any section eight? Um, no, sir. No, I won't. None at all. You no. won't? Okay. No. Gotcha. Okay. And then let's say, for example, you want to, you want to explain to someone, Hey, this is the process of how you do an owner financing, right? So you first set up, obviously some kind of legal documents, uh, terms, right? What, what do you do after that? Where do you go from there? Well, if you're talking, if I'm talking to a buyer, 
if I'm bringing a buyer into right. a property. Okay, they, they go through a process and I call it uh, an interview process. We want to find out what their dreams are. You know, we really become involved with them. We want to find out if they have the ability to pay. You know, we use the one third rule, one third of their income should go to the, uh, to the cost of their housing. And then we're analyzing where they're going to be down the road. Now, what we do is since we're only getting a 10% down payment, we use an equitable contract an uh, uh, equitable uh, ownership of that property. So they would be now, again, wherever you're at in different States, it's going to be called something different, but agreement for deed contract for deed land contract bond for deed. These are all equitable interests interest that can be used. And we set that up for closing and then we just service the note. It is really that simple. It's nothing hocus, hocus pocus, that kind of stuff. We just set it up, service the note. And at the end of the year, they get that little 1099. So they're able to do, to deduct it. But we tell them that they never have to go to the bank. They can qualify for their mortgage based on what their income is because everybody can have perfect credit. All it takes is one hiccup. How many people do you think going through this time period right now, and I know we've got legislation in place to be able to protect them, but how many people right now that are going to be 30, 60, 90 days late that had perfect credit before the COVID event? It'll well, whack their scores. Yeah, tons. Yeah. tons and, not, and not everyone's protected, right? I mean, it has to be Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, from what I read. Right. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's people that are definitely going to fall through that loop. And then, then also the way the banks are dealing it, right? There's doing a, a lot of them are doing a 90-day uh, just suspension where they're going to, they're saying uh, they're going to charge you everything when, when this is over yeah. and who can do that. Right. right. <laughs> so it, it is pretty crazy. Um, as far as like the documentation, for example, the, the promissory note, um, you register with the County, is that correct? Or with the, the local, local no, government? No, we don't record any documentation. Now, if we're asked to record documentation, we record a memorandum of our, contract, not their memorandum of purchase and sale agreement, but a memorandum of the either contract for deed or the uh, agreement for deed. And it strictly states that we are in a financing arrangement under an equitable thing. And basically what it does is the agreement itself, that the way that we've done this is that it allows us to move them from an equitable contract if they don't pay to a tenant at sufferance, which we may be able to use landlord tenant law to get them out. Again, it's not been tested but those are the things that are there in place. So it gives them that way. If they choose to refinance, they can say, Hey, uh, March 19th of 2016, I bought this property. And then they can say, Oh yeah. And we can show them proof public record. And now here's a payment that they had that they can go ahead and refinance it if they choose to. Gotcha. Jeremy, you, you have something? Yeah, I have a question because you say you don't have a crystal ball, right? But you've gone through different uh, markets and different, uh, um, I mean, um, you went through the uh, through the market when it crashed in 2008, I bet. Mm -hmm. And um, so what would you recommend to somebody right now um, who's who was ready to pull the trigger and is pretty new and they want to get into, into real estate investing and based on what's going on right now? Well, from the business standpoint, I would say uh, get out of consumer debt immediately. Do whatever you can, wholesale, flip, sell, whatever. Get out of consumer debt and start building up reserves and start finding a way to be able to buy property with none of your own cash because you should save your cash for those killer deals if you want to. Now, 
this guy here does not put any more cash into real estate because I've lost it too many times. So I have my own little forces of the stuff that I use for funding. So I would recommend to stick with something with seller financing subject to and so forth because the money's already there. Yeah. The money is already there on the deal. The deal has qualified for that. So why should we have to go qualify for it? Let's just go take it over and help and help the economy out. Um, I would stay out of properties that are really the, the sand states where we're at. You know, stay within a median price range, lunch pail Joe type stuff. Stay off the beach, stay off the higher end stuff, but certainly build whatever you buy, build up at least six months reserves on every single property that you own. So you can weather another COVID-20, COVID-21, whatever those things that may be coming into. Because again, we don't have that crystal ball, but knowing that what came out of 08, I wish that I had done a little bit more of these transactions at the tail end of the 08 cycle. And then it would have ramped me up into a lot of other certain things, but stay in your lane, pick that one niche, which that's, I wish I've done that many times and just, just stay there. Just, just stay focused. Good advice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, sounds like you, uh, such as surrounding your niche before what what, did, what other strategies did you try oh my gosh uh, lease option owner financing got into the commercial got into the uh, uh commercial development residential development uh, did a lot of lease options back in the day short sales you name it but subject to is always my route gotcha. and i should have stayed in that lane i hear you <laughs> i hear you no i mean it's that shiny object that gets. Uh, well, what happens is that once you learn it, it's like, oh yeah, that fills in that funnel. See, the acquisition side. See, if I would just stayed with acquisitions by subject to owner financing, all those other strategies would have filled the hole, and that would have been okay because I owned it. But instead, I kind of took my funnel, stuck it upside down, and I was like trying to go out and do all these other strategies. I was the guy because the leads were just coming in. I mean, we had people that were calling us that, that, that we could have been picking up for about a four or five month period. And in, uh, in the 08, we could have picked up 30, 40 deeds a month in our area. Gotcha. Uh, now you, you didn't want them because we were still 50, 60% above the market, but the rates on those things and cash flow, houses would have been free and clear by now. I'll just say that. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of experience with that, man. Uh, so I guess, I guess uh, one final question um, before uh, we wrap this up, unless German has anything else. Um, no, 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 I'm good. I, I'm just excited how down to earth you are. And, and oh, you're not okay. afraid to say, hey, I went all over the place in real estate and I tried everything. <laughs> and, and you're telling oh, people, no, because it, it's true. I mean, I, my brother, he did the, uh, the wholesaling. I tried that too for a little bit and then I was like, okay, I'm not good with this. I tried the flips and flips is definitely not something that I would get into anymore in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, it's good to hear from somebody with so much experience saying, hey, just focus and don't do this because I, I already picked my niche. I can't do all of that stuff. Yeah, and, and not to knock any of those strategies. I mean, I kind of like poke fun at wholesaling. Uh, just because it's easy uh, to poke fun at, but it's really, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. No, no not it's, at it's all. not easy, but you know, it's kind of like pick what you're good at. Yeah. 
you know, you don't need to be good at subject to owner financing lease option, but pick what you're good at. You guys exactly. are good in multifamily and you yeah. like it. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> but we need guys like you because yeah. without guys like you, I would not have people buying houses for me. Yeah. And also you guys wouldn't, you, you guys need me so my people can move into places like you have. So we need each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. No, that's great. Advice, no, and, and, and that, shows that. That, that shows that, that uh, real estate is not dead. There's opportunity for everybody. It's for, it's at, for all, yeah. at all times, every, every market state, there's something. And I'm saying it because, because um, there's a lot of jealousy uh, now that we got into into this, and, and you see the jealousy from some people, where it's like, you know, I'm not taking stuff from you. There's no way we can. There's there's plenty of for everybody. What you do is not what we do, and and so forth. And, yeah. So. You know, I live in a hotbed of investors. Uh, you know, we've got America's number one wholesaler in my backyard, and you know, we've got wholesalers coming out of our ears. And the thing of it is, there's there's a deal every single moment in your life. If you go out and if, if a new investor, I don't know if it, one of the questions would be, but if a new investor would just take the opportunity to speak to five new people and tell them exactly what they do, I guarantee you, if they did that every single day for a week, they'll have two or three contracts. I mean, it's, exactly. yeah. Yeah. You, you just got to get out there and talk to people. I mean, that yeah. does real estate is a people game. It's not yeah. really a, a contract game and none of that is hey let's talk let's work it out and it's a team sport it's not yeah. you can't do this so long oscar yeah, who, you said the word team That's yeah, team, yeah. Who, who, who's that number one wholesaler that lives in your backyard <laughs> i'll just tell you that off recording if that's okay okay yeah okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> i was just curious because i don't I hear so many that are number one so i'm curious to know who i can is tell you this one. he uses the word bam and he rings a bell Okay. All right. I think I might know. But yeah, so last thing, you, you've been doing this for 33 years. Um, how do you balance uh, family life? You know, a lot, of, a lot of real estate investors, you know, they don't talk about this, but uh, family life is hard, especially real estate investing because you have to devote so much time to it and you have to be that people person. How, how, do, how what would you recommend to people and how do you balance it? Well, I'm going to tell you this. We can go down real deep and we can go down real long with it, or I can make it real short. Uh, I, I work out of the house, not because of COVID, but I work out of the house. So certainly we, I have to set, a, set aside that time. Um, 52, my son's 22, you know, we're married, my son works. So we have a fan, we, we, we are tight knit, that kind of stuff. So in, in our world, it is God, family, friends, and work. Work is last. And, and, that, and that's how I balance it. So, you know, there are times that even running the 20K club, they know every other Monday, every other Tuesday and Wednesday that, you know, hey, two hours, I got to have this time during the night. So that's how we balance it. But there was a period of my, there was a period in my life that that wasn't well balanced at all. Uh, you know, it was full throttle to the grind and so forth. And I caught myself. I just said, you know what? This is not worth it. So I'm, I'm, it needs to be quality instead of quantity. And you need to be content with what you have. You know, you don't need to be, if, if you're the person that says, oh, I need to have 10,000 doors, are you content with that? And does it match, match your core? So to me, 
that isn't it. To me, it's like I'm very content with what I have. I'm debt-free. I don't have that problem of wanting to go out and conquer the world like I did in my 20s. So I'm very content where I'm at. And that's, I think that's what I've learned uh, with my faith is being content where you're at in life and kind of walk back through. I mean, there was a period of my time that I did check out, you know, last couple of years I've checked out for a while and I just, because of the market and so forth, I said, you know what? Enough. That's business. This is it. I used to hear this uh, phrase, the guy would come home from work and he would come home and he would take off his work hat and stick it on a tree. And before he walked in the door, it was family. Time. And that's kind of the that's kind of way I started seeing things. You leave work at work, family's family. Man, I, I love that. I love that because that, that is something personally I've struggled with with my family. And uh, I'm working really hard at what you said, put the hat on the door and I'm done. Uh, because, you know, family's family and you don't want to end up messing that up. <laughs> that's what you're doing it, right? That's, that's yeah. the why for a lot of us. So, why? yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree with you. And um, because I'm there too, and I'm, I'm glad that I, at the age that I am, I can, I can kind of slow down uh, and take care of my, my family as well. But do you think, and this is my last, my last question, do you think that that grind, no, it's my last question for real. <laughs> uh, do you think that grind is necessary in, 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 let's say, everybody's life in order for you to succeed and get to, to a point where you can just slow down? We've had the World War II generation come up. Uh, they put the grind in. You know, they all worked the 40 the 40-40. They got to watch the pension and so forth. Uh, we've also, during that time period, we've seen more, we've seen more suicides. We've seen more marriages broke down. We've seen more alcoholics and addicts that have come through that whole time period. You know, granted, social aspects of everything that has changed in the last 50, 60 years. So I say no. My opinion. I say no. It's quality, not quantity. This day and age with tech this day and age with technology, we can have quality without quantity. Whenever I hear people a grind, I, my bones grind. I just, I, I just inside, I, my heart hurts, uh, you know, with, with me, with the, I work with people with addiction issues because, because of my past. And I see that, you know, it's just like, it's just so bound up with it. And, you know, you, that's, that's hard to get over. Workaholic, you know. That's really tough. That's a good way to put it. Workaholicism. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real That's thing. Real. It is. That is it's a real, real thing. thing. Yeah. No, I appreciate that, man. You you, brought, you took it to a whole different level. We we haven't had a, a, a deep conversation like that in our podcast. Before. Oh, I can go deep into that area. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you so much, man. Uh, so if you can, please uh, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can reach the 20K Club, all that jazz. Okay. Well, the best way to do is Google me. Uh, I'm all over Google, uh, certainly with Facebook. You can Facebook me there. Uh, and I do have uh, the, pay, the low paid membership of the 20K Club. It's 20 bucks a month. And that's at www.20kclubmembers.com. The subject to group, you just subject to and I'm there. Uh, you know, or you can, you know, just give me a call. 772-321-2290. I mean, I, I pick up my phone. So I'm, I'm okay with that. And uh, I never turned down a phone call. I mean, I may have to go to voicemail, but I will call you back. Uh, 
So, cause I'm, like I said, it's all about quality, not quantity. I hear you, man. That's amazing. No, and, and you know what? I can vouch for that because uh, you responded to my messages on Facebook and you were honest and you were straightforward. Let me, let me check you out. Let me see what you're about. Uh, and I appreciate that because a lot of people, you know, they, don't, they won't even give you the, the high or, or the, the yeah. response. And I appreciate that, man. Because life's too short, guys. I mean, you're, you guys look young. Life's too short. You know, I mean, I've, I'm not saying that I'm old, but I feel old sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I love your podcast. I love what you're doing for the community. And, uh, you know, I think it's fantastic with, uh, with the information that we have today. It's just, awesome. I'm really in love with it. Thanks, man. Thank All you right, so much. You, yeah, and for you listeners out there, if you can, uh, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, iTunes, whatever it is, uh, hit the subscribe button. Also, leave us a review. Give us some feedback, positive, negative, you name it. Uh, we're always looking to improve, and, and we love great comments, too. So let us know. Uh, and we're out now. <laughs>